Welcome to Real Themes, the podcast where we discuss and dissect the thematic elements in movies, television, and other media. I'm Justin Zagri. And I'm Liana Manassian. What happened today? I heard something happened with, with some of your poetry. Yes. What? I mean, tell, tell us that the audience is dying to know. <laughs> I mean, it's not a big deal yet, but I entered a poetry contest and I'm a semi-finalist. I mean, I, I'm, I'm your husband, so I have a little bit of bias, but I think that's a really big deal. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. What are we here to talk about? Um, this week, we're going to talk about the Netflix show, The Witcher. Just going to your Witcher. Oh, Valley of Plenty. Oh, oh Valley, Valley of Plenty. plenty. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Hearing it in the mics, it's like, mm, our voices sound so rich and powerful. <laughs> um, the Witcher, yeah, we both really dug this show. And um, we decided that we, uh, we definitely wanted to talk about it because there were some pretty powerful themes present there. Um, and uh, we always try to, uh, you know, have a brief little idea of a discussion beforehand, but we don't want to get too much into it because we're kind of interested in hearing each other's opinions. So if you could paraphrase what you think the general theme of uh, the show is, what would you say? Um, I think destiny and fate are the biggest themes for The Witcher. Um, do you want me to go into why? My, my, my main question is, is like, why do you think the show really focuses on destiny so much? Because it says in the first episode, fine girl to Rivia, he is your destiny. The queen says that as she's dying. Yeah. I mean, besides the law of surprise, which is just like an inter- interesting like plot element, especially with the story between Geralt and Ciri. Um, uh, I think it just, it just, shows how each of the characters, like the main characters, their actions affect um, the other characters mm-hmm. and the way that the story progresses. Um, especially Yennefer. I feel like she's the biggest contributor to the whole destiny fate thing, honestly. Why do you say that? And that she ties all three characters, like three main characters together. Um, so basically like if she hadn't, um, cause she was originally supposed to be in the kingdom of, uh, Nilfgaard. She was, that was like her assigned kingdom as a mage. Mm-hmm. But after she did her transformation, she decided that she would rather go to Aiden instead, which was like a much more desirable kingdom mm-hmm. and like nicer and the king was hot and whatever (laughs) (laughs) but like by doing that she basically fucked everything up because the girl who does go and and is the mage there um she she basically i think she was supposed to go to aiden yeah yeah so she got she got switched with yennefer and she was not happy about it so, but they did manipulate her into believing that that she's that is a good place. What? Who? The the other mage, because when she come, when at the near the end of the series, that that mage who like is working for Nilfgaard, um, basically says that you know they're they're good people and they want to and they want to spread their influence and all the old propaganda that you hear about it is mis is misrepresented. 
So you can tell she's been indoctrinated quite a bit. Are you talking about Nilfgaard? Yeah, the, the, the other mage, the, the, uh, the black lady, I forget her name. Yeah. But she, the one she was, she was switched to go to, to Nilfgaard, and she was really not happy about it. And then the next time you see her, she's like, no, Nilfgaard's a good place. Yeah, well, yeah, because she, she basically helps the Nilfgaardian king take over the whole northern part of the kingdom. That's right. Including Sintra. And, you know, because we do see the guy, I think it, I don't remember if it was the king or somebody else. He goes to Sintra and he goes to the queen and he's asking for something. I don't even remember what it was, but she like basically laughs in his face. And so that, that didn't really put a good impression um, for, for Nilfgaard about Sintra. And so I'm sure they were more than happy to conquer that place and get rid of it. Yeah. Because they're like, fuck this queen who like totally dissed us. Yeah. <laughs> But going back to what I was saying about Yennefer kind of connecting everything. So, yeah, like, she she was kind of, like, responsible in, like, I guess in an indirect way for uh, Nilfgaard attacking Sintra and essentially, you know, making it so Ciri was, like, a refugee. Yeah. And, um, so there's a, there's a few elements to this. So Yennefer's choices and... The queen of Sintra's choices. Queen, yeah, I guess the queen is a big part of it yeah. as well. But, you know, but Geralt too, because, you know, just like his whole journey and like it kind of parallels Yennefer's in a way because they, they end up meeting in like unlikely places, at least at first. But then the genie thing kind of ties them together as well, which is another element to the whole fate thing because he basically... I don't remember what exactly his wish was, but basically he, I think he wished to like, they weren't, they wouldn't be too far away from each other or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe there was. And that's why Jennifer says that that's why we like each other so much. It's cause it's just cause of the gin. It's not real. Right. And I guess I missed that. Yeah. When, um, I think it was with the dragon guy mm-hmm. when they were talking and he, he like didn't actually say anything, but by not saying it, he was basically implying that he had like, made a wish that was like basically that him and Yennefer would never be too far away from each other or something because he had feelings for her and he didn't want yeah he okay. didn't want to like be too far away from her so uh, okay so one, one of the things that you're talking about that like I, th- I find the most interesting about the theme of destiny is that destiny only exists because choices are put into put that destiny into place and the most um the, the most obvious notion of that destiny being put into place is Geralt invoking the law of surprise. And then a second later that, sh- that law shows up mm-hmm. and Geralt is at first extremely resistant to it. Um, so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on uh, why his, why he kind of turned around on how, on why he thinks that the, the, the destiny of Ciri's life is, is important. I'm not following. Well, so when he, when he invoked the lost prize and then uh, the princess, you know, barfs and realizes that she's pregnant and he goes, fuck, <laughs> because he realizes that he just became responsible for an unborn child. Um, but he keeps his distance uh, and then he starts checking on this girl um, and saying, like, I need to protect her. Um, but at first he didn't want to have anything to do with her. So I'm wondering 
what that change in attitude became, basically. Mm, I'm not really 100% sure that I know why he decided all of a sudden. I mean, I know he saw the army of Nilfgaard coming. Yeah. But my mm-hmm. my thought is that um, uh, when he was, you know, hooking up with Yennefer a lot, and then he realized what Yennefer's motivation was, uh, is to figure out a way to have a child again. Yeah. It kind of reminded him of Siri. Yeah. Well, because it didn't seem like he, when he did, when he claimed the law of surprise, yeah. And he was even talking about it before. Like, it didn't seem like he took it that seriously. Well, he didn't believe in it. Yeah, like, so... He's like, this is just a way for people to uh, uh, think that, that there's order and chaos. Right. Which the the witches, that's what their jobs are, to bring order to, from, from the chaos. That was actually going to be my second, like, theme okay. thing to talk about. Yeah. But, yeah, I just feel like he didn't really take it that seriously, so... He didn't think about it, like, until what you said, like, maybe Yennefer's thing brought it back to him or or the fact of seeing the Nilfgaard army. And he's like, oh, Sintra. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's, like, a girl there I'm supposed <clears throat> to take care of in case something happens. So right. I should probably check on her. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that there was a pretty clear-cut case of if you avoid the law of surprise or you avoid destiny. Oh, yeah. You get killed. Yeah, something or something terrible happens to you or your family and most yeah. likely death. But yeah, yeah, because the queen. The, what did, oh, the, yeah, because the queen tried tried to fool him when he did come back to Sintra with the other girl who was just like a peasant girl or something. And was yep. like, oh, here's Siri. Uh, yeah. And instead, she's like out there playing cards or whatever. He also invited Geralt to uh, that ball for his daughter because he knew that hedgehog would show up and he was hoping that the witcher would kill him. Who did? Um, I'm sorry. The queen knew that the, that the hedgehog would show up. She no, was, she didn't. Yeah. She said, he, Geralt said so. It's like, that's why you wanted me here. You want, you were hoping I would kill him. Um, I didn't. Because she was well aware of this dude's um, curse and the fact that he invoked the law of surprise on saving her late husband's life. So she was really not looking forward to him showing up and was hoping that uh, she would kill him. I totally missed that. I didn't... Or hoping hoping that Geralt would kill him. Oh, I didn't see any of that, or I guess yeah. I missed it, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she, 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 t- she tries so many times to defy... The law of surprise. Mm. Um, and even when her new husband is like, you can't do it. Years later, he's he's like ignoring it too. And then the reason why is because he's like, because I know you'll take my daughter away from me. And I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't really his daughter. It was his daughter-in-law, I guess. Stepdaughter. Stepdaughter, yeah. But he really cared about her. That's the point. Um, but even then, it's just they all get killed. In, and it, even though it was their stupid choices, because these two f- morons decide to face the enemy in open battle, like on the front lines. Yeah. I was like, what kind of queen does that? What kind of king does that? <laughs> even if you were like our bloodlust and like think you're immortal, like none of your subjects would allow that. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm actually curious to know if it was like that in the books or not, mm. or whether they just chose that for the TV series because it just like makes her look like a badass. 
know? I thought, it, like, it, to me, if there was th- a thematic point of view on why she goes into battle herself, it's that she's such a huge um, proponent of you, you craft your own destiny. Even if, even if a, uh, a destiny has been presented to you and she knows the risks of not following it, she doesn't care. She's like, no, my destiny, we're going to do things my way. Yeah, it, it goes back to the fate and destiny thing, and it kind of it kind of brings in free will because it's kind of a combination of both. Because you know, if you only believe in fate and destiny, your choices don't really matter as much hmm. because it's going to happen regardless. It'll just maybe happen in a different way, but like the ultimate conclusion will always be the same if you believe in fate or destiny but like with free will it's you have choices and you make choices and you are ultimately responsible for whatever happens to you at the end of those choices um right the the queen is more in the the realm of the free will but even the free will comes into play a little bit with the fate and the destiny in the witcher i feel like right and it's not always free will isn't always bad but i think ultimately most people in the universe of the witcher believe in fate and destiny over free will right it's um, it's interesting because like it doesn't uh, i don't know the lore of the witcher games very well or or the books very well but it seems like instead of gods to worship it's more like uh circumstance and, and fate that mm-hmm. they believe in, you know, so we can't attribute to like the weather being bad because of the weather God. It's more like the weather being bad because of choices that we made um, that like my, like my brother on the farm had invoked the law of surprise and, but it never came through. So therefore our farm is bad. It's um, almost more like superstition mm-hmm. in a way rather than, yeah, like gods or something. It's like, it's like, if we don't do this, then this will happen. Or if we do do this, something will happen. So it's like, I mean, that is kind of like what a lot of religious stuff like is kind of based on. It's like, it's a cause and effect thing. It's like, if you're good, you'll go to heaven. If you're bad, you'll go to hell. Right. But there's just in the Witcher, there's no, at least in the show, there were no like deities that represented those like decisions or, or those good and evil sort of things. Well, I also thought that um, monsters were always uh, cautionary tales that parents told their children to make sure they don't misbehave. Um, And it's very often that uh, these monsters um, are creating issues um, due to uh, poor behavior on the part of others. So like there's this goat kind of dude who's stealing crops but he's stealing crops for these like uh exiled elves that the Sintrins like massacred and he's just trying to help them out and when Geralt is sent to deal with them he decides not to kill them gets himself in trouble with these elves but then talks his way out of it um which I thought was interesting um and kind of shows that he the reason why he's lived so long is because he's willing to negotiate and treat others well and therefore he's rewarded for it Mm-hmm. So it still plays into like your actions have consequences, good or bad. Well, we could keep going on and on. There's like quite a few characters where it's like the things that they did came back to like bite them in the ass later. Yeah. I also want to just know like what you think about the out of order timeline. Cause I know like when we watched the fourth episode, which is like when you kind of realize that it's yeah. not in 
sequential order that you were like, oh my God. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, it blew me away. Um, I, I, when I talked to other people, they said they caught it um, pretty early on. And, you know, when I watch it again, I'm like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of moments where they let you know. And costume differences, like there's times when Geralt's armor is really terrible and you can tell he's been wearing it for a long time. And other times when his air, his, his uh, armor looks brand new and he probably had a good gig and got new armor. I, I was kind of curious as to why they did that. But the main thing is that I guess that they wanted to tell Yennefer's backstory properly. And since she's, you know, a few, uh, at least a hundred or so years old and she's a mage, so she can't age, um, that they, that, that became kind of a necessity Mm-hmm. Um, also the first book or the first two books, um, sort of destiny and the last wish are a bunch of short stories. Um, they, most of them focus on Geralt, but they, some of them do focus on Yennefer and Siri. And, uh, I feel like they really wanted to, um, honor the spirit of those books and they all feel like they're separate adventures. Siri's adventures were very connected. Um, and, uh, in a, in the shortest timeline. Uh, Geralt's were felt like individual adventures, even though his first adventure, the, uh, the, the woman he kills, um, who the mage wanted him to kill, uh, she says at the very last second, she's like that this, this, this girl, the girl in the forest is your destiny or something like that. Um, so when he's in the final episode hauled off on the, uh, to this, to this home and, uh, the, this, the mud, this, this woman says like, Oh, I found this little girl, but she ran off into the forest. Then he's like, Oh my God, destiny. Yennefer's story was very much, uh, um, an A to Z storyline. Like, you know, where she was beginning, you knew how she got there and you knew how, where she, how she got to the point of where everything kind of comes together when it comes to the Nilfgaardians attack on that one castle. Um, so I feel like it was just necessary, but the, the smart thing to do was don't, uh, don't let the audience in on what that the timelines are different. Let them, you know, kind of figure it out uh, and then let it all come together. Cause that you see the queen of uh, Sintra with this girl who looks like Siri, but is obviously older uh, and she's alive. And then Geralt shows up and you're like, wait, what is happening here? And then when it's revealed that, you know, Siri isn't even born yet, I was like, Oh my God, it's all been a flashback. <laughs> so you think it was more to like tell Yennefer's story or like how do you I mean, I mean how no, do you think it served the story it's just for that reason if there is a deeper reason I think that you're going to talk about it but I think it was more of a well we want to cover Yennefer's uh backstory um and I mean, we, that's what I was going to say. It's not, I don't have like, a okay. Thing, but yeah. Okay. I thought you might've been able to figure out how it intertwines with the theme of destiny. Um, I mean, kind of, it's just the timeline, like, I don't know, even though it's not a linear timeline, it, it shows how all these different seemingly separate stories are linked. And yeah. that even if you take things out of order, what they're doing in the different, you know, time periods are all affecting each other. Right. Yeah. No, I, 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 I can definitely see it. I just think it was very, very smart that they didn't, you know, tell the audience in any type of obvious way that this is, these are different timelines until they converged. And even then they didn't fully converge. And then you have to ask her like saying like, Gerald, how long has it been? Like a decade? What is time anyways? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
I mean, really, what is the time in this show? Because people don't even age. So it's Right, like, yeah. Like, we were wondering about Yasker. I'm like, he has to eventually get out of the story because he... Yeah, he's a, just a man. But yeah. he doesn't, like, once supposedly a decade has gone by, like, after... Like, because we see them at the banquet, the wedding banquet. Yeah. And then we see, it's supposed to be, like, ten years later. Uh, he doesn't even it, say exactly. Yeah, but, He just like, says it's been a while. And he doesn't look like he's aged at all. Yeah, but I he's mean, supposed to at least a little bit. I could, I can let it go. Let's if if it's between when he's twenty five and then the last time we see him is when he's thirty five. I'll be like, okay, you don't look terribly different. Like maybe his hair changed slightly. Maybe but that yeah. was it. And he had nicer clothes by the end of the thing. Yeah. You know, he went from you know barely like he, he was feeding himself by getting booed with food to the point of where he was you know he he successfully. Uh, uh, conjured a, a proper legend of Geralt mm-hmm. uh, rather than being the butcher of Blaviken he's the white wolf he he also kind of uh, I don't know if he pushed forward his destiny uh, by you know letting the townsfolk of the continent know you know cr- create a better version of him um, maybe if I looked a little deeper into it I might be able to see it but um, the mage that worked at uh, the the kingdom of Sintra knew who Geralt was as soon as he showed up uh, for the first time. And I was wondering if there were, I was trying to find the connection there because Geralt is a pretty old guy um, and being mutated into a witcher does slow your aging process. Uh, It doesn't stop it, but it does slow it down. So um, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of rambling at this point, (laughs) but yeah, you were talking about um, another thing that you caught, which is, um, uh, order from from chaos to order. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I feel like part of the theme is also just like controlling the chaos within, mm-hmm. and for most of the characters, it's magic. Magic is the chaos within. Yeah, it's like different levels. It's like Siri is new to magic. She's really young. And her magic is completely chaotic. Yeah. It just, she has no control over it at all. Overtly powerful too. And she's extremely powerful. And it just like explodes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. And then with Yennefer, it's like, at first she doesn't have control over it. Um, and then she struggles to like have control over it. But even when she does have control over it, like at least early on like especially like when we see her um when she had been in Aiden and she's like she's supposed to be protecting I think it was either the queen or princess with the baby mm-hmm. it's like she has control but she can't actually save them in the end I think that she gave up on saving at least the princess well because yeah. she does come back after the princess is dead and tries to save the baby the baby at least um because that's another thing I want to talk about okay but <clears throat> yeah like her magic is powerful at that point, but not, it's not completely, it's her power is never completely controlled. Even when she's in control, I always feel like she's on the verge of just like, like she just teeters on the edge. She's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But then, um, Daryl is like the other end, which where he's like extremely controlled. Exactly. So it's like, they're like three levels of chaos being controlled. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's why I like, I really think it's interesting that those three are the, like the main characters, at least in the show. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and while Yennefer is extremely powerful, and we got to see that in the uh, the uh, last episode, um, it doesn't hold a candle to Ciri. Mm-hmm. We're just barely seeing what she's truly capable of. Um, but also, like with the chaos and control thing, I also feel like that pain um, plays a big part of that, and all three of them have experienced, like, great pain in their life, and that's, like, a source of their chaos also. Hmm. No, it, it's a good point because Siri uh, experienced um, enormous pain by watching her kingdom burn and her mother die. Um, Geralt's... Grandma. grandma die, right. Yeah. Um, Geralt's, uh, the process of being mutated into a witcher is so painful and so dangerous that many candidates for being witchers are killed. They die in the process. Plus also his mom abandoned him. Mm-hmm. To become a witcher. Right. Yeah. When he, when he mentioned, uh, a character named Vesemir, Vesemir became his mentor and he, he's in the witcher three. Um, he's in the witcher two as well, but I didn't really play that game, but he was definitely in the witcher three. Um, and he's a, he's a main character. Yeah. Uh, so when I heard that, I was like, oh, cool. It's Vesemir. I know who that is. Right. Um, but we really see Yennefer's pain and how that plays into her magic and her the way she controls her chaos. I yeah. feel like especially with that battle where all the mages are there. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, she, um, I forgot the name of the, the main mage lady who was like her mentor. But right. she's like, let your chaos go. Explode. Yeah. yeah. So she's just like. You can just see it on her face, like, and I think they had like maybe a little bit of a montage of just flashbacks of her. It was audible. It was you could hear it. Yeah, she but was, you could hear it in her voice for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then she takes the fire already burning on the castle and puts it into herself, and then just launches so it. So amazing. I know. <laughs> just her face was just like, holy crap. Yeah, that was amazing. Um. So tell me about the tell me about the baby. What what was that about? Um, well, I just noticed that mothers and motherhood are very prevalent on the show and I think important also to the the story Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we see Geralt was like abandoned by his own mother and we see that, um, for Yennefer, her mother actually cares about her, um, even though she can't really save her when she's taken away to um, Mageland, where <laughs> I forgot the name of it. <laughs> right. Um, and then, you know, for um, for Pavetta, you know, she was pregnant um, when, um, when Geralt comes and declares the law of surprise, and then eventually um, the queen, whose name I also forgot... Um, <laughs> Sorry. No big deal. Um, it's a lot of weird names. Yeah, she uh, she becomes Ciri's surrogate mother. She's really her grandmother. Um, and also Ciri encounters a lot of mother figures along her journey. A lot of women who kind of take care of her along mm, the way. That's a good point. Um, including, like, the weird forest people. And uh, there's, like, two different like villagers kind of along the way when she's like making her way, um, who kind of like come in and try and protect her. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like the motherhood thing, I think the most powerful part of that is like, is Yennefer's story with, in regard to her transformation, mm-hmm. which I, I feel like I, 
It doesn't really sit right with me, though, like her whole transformation. Um, mm-hmm. It bothered me a lot. <laughs> T- tell me. Tell me why. Yeah. Um, okay, because, like, I get that she was deformed, you know, she was crippled. She had, like, this deformity because she was, like, part of, um, she mentions it, like, it's her father's blood, like, he was the elf and whatever, like, cursed her, and so she was all deformed and stuff. But also made her far more powerful than most mages. Right, because the elves had a lot of power, and we don't really get to know too much about that, at least in this season. Mm-hmm. But I, wanna, I really want to know like more about the elves right. and like why they were like massacred, probably because mm-hmm. they were super powerful. Um, but anyway, yeah, so she's all deformed, and she hates her deformities, obviously, because she feels very unlovable, and she's like, oh, I'm only worth four marks, and because mm-hmm. her dad sold her, which is terrible. Um, not as not a real dad right but still like anyway um but yeah like the whole transformation thing because um all the mages were supposed to undergo some sort of enchantment before they were taking their posts at court Mm -hmm. um and they sort of mentioned it but they didn't go into detail and it's actually a little bit confusing because on the one hand, you have the enchantments, which Yennefer misses that whole ceremony when she was supposed to have her enchantment. Mm-hmm. Um, but later she does undergo a transformation, except like the enchantments are supposed to be temporary. Like if you've ever seen the movie The Craft, yeah, um, the girls in The Craft, they do like um, they do this spell. Oh, God, I always forget what it's called. Um, it's okay. It's about oh, the ideas. It's like a... a oh, Oh my gosh, I'll remember it later and then be like, oh, how, how annoying that I like, forgot what it was. Um, but anyway, they do this thing and it's like a spell where it like changes, it can change like your hair color, or they can change like the shape of your nose, but it's an enchantment. It's like not real. It's just supposed to like make somebody see you in that sure. way. So that's like what the mages are supposed to be undergoing and they're supposed to be doing it in a way that's like appealing to the king or whoever is Ma- yeah. there at court with. But Yennefer, like, takes it to the extreme because she's like, I don't want to look like this because I don't want to see myself like this. Because, right. like, she'll still look in the mirror and see the way she really is. Right. Whereas the king or whatever might see, like, this enchanted version of her. But she's like, no, I actually, like, want to change myself completely. Permanently. Yeah, permanently. But, like, the way that that whole transformation scene was and, like, I don't know, just, like, the whole concept of it, like, really bothered me because... She, I get that, like, she wanted to be lovable and, and beautiful, but, like, um, I don't know, it just, it, it bothered me because, like, that was, like, what she thought she had to do in order to be the best version of herself and, like, the most powerful. It's, like, she had to go from ugly to beautiful in order to actually be, power, like, a powerful mage. Yeah. And, and in the process, her sacrifice was that she was not able to have children. Yeah, we saw her, her reproductive organs literally removed. Yeah, that was really... It was tough. Not cool. Yeah. Um, and they never really said whether or not the rest of the mages were able to have children or not. Um, well, Geralt can't either. Yeah. His transformation made him sterile too. Right. But like... The enchantments that the rest of the the mages were doing, I don't think that process 
made them infertile. But I'm wondering, because I did read something online and I'm wondering if it's true or not, or maybe it is within the books, is that um, the mages were required to become sterile. Yes, that a, is true. In another way. So I know that from the game. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense because like if they're, you know, they have the, this is chaos within them mm-hmm. that that could, you know potentially hurt a baby if you're a woman and you're carrying a child it's a fair point of view so i mean it kind of makes sense i guess but i don't know just the whole process of of her like undergoing that transformation and like the reasons why and just well she came she came to regret them too yeah and like you know over the long swaths of time that aren't covered she does a lot of jobs and she gets with a lot of people and she says it was fun but it was hollow. It wasn't really, it didn't feel very deep. Um, and that validation she's looking for, for someone deep, wasn't, was not being fulfilled. And she felt that maybe a child is what she needs. So that's why she starts questing to find a way to have a child again. But um, also even that just bothers me because, I don't know, I just like, I just feel like it's an, it's a, it's like another way of, um, bringing in that whole like Madonna whore complex thing or it's like she she either has to be this like beautiful slutty woman or this like deformed but pure woman like she can't be like just what she is like it's gotta be like I don't know like just something about it just like really bothered me (laughs) okay yeah it's fair it's a fair, it's fair, fair to say. It's like she can't be beautiful and a mother. Well, know, to, to be fair, be it goes powerful and to a be mother. to be fair, guys for for guys who who are mages at war witchers, it's the same way. Right, they can't have kids either. But it's like, why is that mutually exclusive? I mean, the only thing like that the, makes sense is like that the magic. Yeah, like would in, or, in order in order to have that, in, they they establish very early on that you in order to give something meaning magic, you have to take something. So when this one mage candidate tries it without using a flower, her hand her hand falls apart. Then they use the flower, the flower dies. And then they show that the candidates who are good enough to keep the, power, the, the, the castle powered are turned into eels. Only Yennefer is the one who really passes. Um, and, uh, but in, while they didn't really go very deeply into uh, whether or not if she didn't get deformed, that she'd still be sterile because I'm pretty sure that any mage is sterile, period. But that's um, something that they do to them, right? It's not, they're yeah. not inherently that way, right? No, they're not inherently sterile, but in order to become a mage, they become sterile. Um, and again, it's not just men or women. There are plenty of men mages in there. So I'm not trying to make an argument about whether or not it's like creating some sort of unequal issue, uh, issue of equality, but... Um, it's just, I thought it was like a storyteller's, the storyteller's way of saying, well, why aren't there just tons of mages and witchers out there? It's like, well, it comes with a sacrifice and these mages and witchers can't have kids. So you, in order to have more, you need to make more through magic. Mm. That's how I saw it. But I can see how it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm not saying that like it didn't, you know, make sense within the story. I just feel like I still just had like, a problem with it just in terms of I don't know just in terms of just being a woman and like 
these are your choices, like, uh, those are not really good choices, like, that you're having to, like, choose from. Right. Um, somewhat problematic, so, yeah. Sure. So, if you had any favorite scenes, what would they be? Um, favorite scenes? Well, definitely, um, when they, when the mages all, um, were fighting, uh, who were they fighting? Nilfgaard? I forget now. They were fighting Nilfgaard, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, when the mages were fighting Nilfgaard, like, just that whole sequence. Um, I don't know. I think mainly just Yennefer because she was, like, so tapped into everyone's um, power, like, mm -hmm. and she was kind of, like, communicating telepathically with everybody. And, you know, it. we really did see her power in that scene. And, yeah. Like, um, not just when she like totally exploded her chaos at the end, but like just the, the way that she had control, like we, we really saw her evolve magically, mm -hmm. like, and how she did have a lot more control than she did in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and she's just like come into her own as a mage mm -hmm. and, um, also it was super creepy. Um, I think her name was Fringilla. The mage who was Nilfgaard's mage. Yeah. And she had yeah, that that's right. box of like worms. Worms, like, yeah. That was so creepy. Memory of Star Trek. Star yeah. Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. The little worms that can control Ear you. Worms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was creepy. Yeah. Um, I loved uh, video game Geralt in the first episode. That was very much a video game when he fights all those people off and, you know, mm -hmm. kills them out, kills them with one or two moves and very brutal, in very brutal fashion, even uses his powers. Uh, I kind of like that also that he uses that power, but it's never really explained that he has these powers. He just does them. And you're like, oh, he's got powers. I think that the writers were like, we don't have to explain ourselves. Let's just dig in and let the people figure it out for themselves. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. But it's our creative choice. Um, so I love that. Um, uh, I really loved the, the Lost Prize scene because it showed uh, Siri's mom and just how completely powerful she was and therefore Siri's going to be that level of powerful. I don't ex I don't fully remember why she's so powerful, but she's like, if Yennefer is the most power powerful mage um, and mages are the most powerful beings on the planet, then she's like on the next level. Serious? Yeah. She's, mm -hmm. she's like some sort of otherworldly power. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know exactly what it is, but um, there's like people, witchers, mages, and then Siri. Mm -hmm. So um, I really like seeing that level of power that was going on. Um, it looked like it was a tornado was inside the building. <laughs> so that was pretty amazing. Um, and then just that shot of Yennefer uh, conjuring the fire from her hands and then like the whole screen lights up with fire and she just has this insane like look on her face. It was, it was amazing. And she had enough power to control it. So anybody that was an ally, the fire wouldn't hurt them. Right. And that was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah yeah i also just like the scenes between yenfer and Geralt because mm -hmm. like i'm like oh my god like it's so yeah. sexy like everything is sexy yes i don't know who to be more attracted to <laughs> there's really... this great there's this great meme that shows i love the plot of this story plot 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 and it was Geralt. It was yeah. all Geralt. <laughs> like yeah he has a great eight plot <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah they were always very very sexy together um, and, uh, 
But I also like that she was at first using her sexiness to kind of deceive him, like to use mm-hmm. him because um, she knew that um, uh, he had access to the person who had access to the gin. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was basically, she was basically just using him for information and then he saves her life anyways. Yeah. Um, and then he, she's eternally grateful in her own way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think we're definitely looking forward to season two. Oh yeah. Seeing where things go. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I really want to see like, cause I think I already know like what Geralt and Siri's relationship ends up being. Mm. It's more like a mentorship, I feel like. Yes. Um, and I think Jennifer comes into play with that as well. But I don't We shouldn't talk about that too much because, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you have played the game Witcher 3, right. you, you'll understand Siri and uh, Geralt's relationship. Um, but for now, it's just great that they've finally found each other. And now we'll see how all that works out because destiny has been fulfilled. Right. Uh, and now I feel like the season two is going to have an entirely different theme. But I want to see more of Yaskir and I want to hear more bard songs. Yes. <laughs> see, he takes that ugly elf back up on his shelf. Like that, was that an elf, elf on the shelf? On the shelf. <laughs> shelf joke? Wow. <laughs> he can't be bleed. Wow. Okay. Because you were saying like, oh, the lyrics are terrible. I'm like, yeah, well, that, that's are. a bard's lyrics. They are kind of dumb. That's kind of the way it is. Because they're like on the spot. Right, but then somebody, and yeah, he probably has to come up with it right there and then. Um, but I love that someone said, well, give him epic music behind his voice anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, catch us next time, uh, and we'll be talking about something new. Um, if you're listening on the podcasts, please uh, press that subscribe button so you can catch whenever we talk. Uh, if you're on YouTube, we'd love to hear your opinions. So leave a comment on the video below, especially regarding uh, some of the opinions we had. We'd love to see your point of view on destiny, motherhood, um, things like that. Chaos versus control. Yeah. Um, Feel free to disagree. I mean, that's the whole point of this. <laughs> or, or agree and push or agree. Or, and uh, can push that narrative forward. Yeah. Um, and uh, subscribe on YouTube. Press the ding, dingy bell dingy so bell. you can get instant notifications. Uh, and, uh, where can we find you on the social medias? I am Liana underscore Manassian at Instagram and Twitter, I believe. Yeah. I don't really use Facebook as much anymore, so don't look on there. (laughs) Uh, I do have a Facebook page. It's like Justin's Augury director. Um, and, uh, but it's all linked to my Instagram, uh, where everything, it just kind of throws it out everywhere there. So my Instagram is Justin Z director. Uh, you can find my Twitter there too. Yay. All right, we'll catch you all later. Hope you enjoyed.